All right, here we go. It is Three Walls in the BLP here on January 3rd, 2022. It is Mike here with you. Hope you guys all had a great holiday season. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever you guys celebrate. Hope you guys did it well. Had a great time with family, friends, and loved ones. And stayed safe and healthy throughout this hot holiday season. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we last got on here and chatted, so we've got a couple things to get through here today. We've got the New Year's Six Bowl recap. We've got college football playoff results, uh, NFL Week 17 recap. We're going to talk through the playoffs, uh, scenarios, clinching, things like that. Uh, and then we've got some movie talk. I was finally able to catch up on some of the things I was slacking on watching. Uh, so I'm going to give you some quick reviews, thoughts, and things like that on what I watched in the past couple of weeks. Uh, but we got a lot to get into, so let's get right to it. Uh, as always, I'm here with my Bud Light, uh, last Bud Light Sour Seltzer of the pack here. We've got Blue Raspberry tonight. Uh, tastes like a Blue Raz Jolly Rancher. Shout out Bud Light, sponsor of the pod. No free ads. Butter free ad for Bud Light every time. Uh, let's get right into it. We're going to start with college football. We're going to talk about the non-playoff New Year's Six Bowls first. Uh, we'll start with the game marred by opt-out star players, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. The Kenneth Walker, the last Michigan State Spartans, beat the Kenny Pickettless Pitt Panthers uh, 31-21 to wrap up an 11-win season, which is really quite amazing if you think about it because Michigan State last year had two wins. Uh, Mel Tucker and his staff there is building something super strong. Watch out for Sparty going forward in the Big Ten. Uh, and an 11-win season for Pitt as well, showing that the ACC has some parity. It's not just Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. Pitt came out and played very well this season. Kenny Pickett, obviously a Heisman finalist. And Pat Narduzzi building something special in Pitt as well. Hope to see them, again, competitive in the ACC. In the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, we had... Uh, Notre Dame come in with a chip on their shoulder and a new head coach against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. But unfortunately, it was same old Notre Dame and New Year's Six BCS Bowls. They gave up 30 unanswered points to Oklahoma State, blew a big lead, and lost 37-35. Notre Dame was missing their top two players in safety, Kyle Hamilton, and running back Kyron Williams due to opt-outs. Uh, had a strong showing from quarterback Jack Cohn. He had th- 509 yards passing and five TDs. But again, Oklahoma State just came out in the second half like a bandit. Spencer Sanders played amazing. They ran the ball very well. Got the big win, 37-35. Congrats to Oklahoma State. Uh, still look forward to seeing how Marcus Freeman builds that team in Notre Dame. I think they got the right guy for the job. I think it's just a little tough uh, with everything that happened. They might have just been finally mentally exhausted and just kind of ran into a buzzsaw with Oklahoma State in that second half. So, uh, yeah, excited for them. Congrats to Oklahoma State. Uh, Probably the best bowl game of the season was the, I think it's the Capital One Venture X, I don't even, the Rose Bowl, granddaddy of them all, Uh, Ohio State and Utah in a Big Ten Pac-12 matchup as the Rose Bowl should be. And it was a shootout with fireworks from start to finish. We had Ohio State down a number of starters. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, a couple guys on defense. Uh, I don't think Master Teague played. But uh, they won 48-45 against Utah. 
excuse me, C.J. Stroud had 573 yards passing through the air and six touchdowns. Jackson Smith and Jigba had 15 catches, 347 yards. I'll say that again, 15 catches for 347 yards receiving and three touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr. stepped up, had two touchdown catches. Yes, Marvin Harrison Jr., that Marvin Harrison son, and uh, had the Buckeyes really rolling going into next year looking strong with all these young guys stepping up and getting experience on the big stage. So Ryan Day continues to reload and get these guys to the skill positions and just have talent everywhere. Uh, So it's going to be fun to watch the Big Ten next year with uh, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, all back, loaded. Big Ten, fucking realign. Don't just do east to west. Do top 12, top two teams from the conference to go to the Big Ten Championship. I don't understand why you don't. Tired of seeing the same, you know, top three teams on one side and, you know, average teams on the other side in the Big Ten Championship. So do that, please. Uh, Moving right along, we will go to the Sugar Bowl, which was Baylor Ole Miss. Baylor capitalized on a Matt Corral injury early on to win 21-7 behind a dominant defensive performance, forcing three turnovers, including a 98-yard pick six. Uh, so congrats to Baylor. Again, two wins, I believe, last year. Now they had 11 or 12 this year. Dave Aranda is building something very special in Baylor. Awesome to see uh, Big 12 getting some kind of parity, especially with now Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Baylor getting a New Year's 6 win. Oklahoma State getting a New Year's 6 win. Huge for the Big 12 going forward and kind of a season that's going to be a little bit of unknowns going forward. Uh, Now let's get right to the playoffs. We had Bama and Cincinnati and Georgia and Michigan. Bama really outmatched Cincinnati on all facets of the game, offensively, defensively, uh, and won. Uh, Why didn't I write down the score? Uh, Brian Robinson had 204 yards rushing. Bryce Young, the Heisman winner, had three touchdown passes. And they Bama's offensive line just overmatched and overworked the Cincinnati defensive line all night. The final score was... It was... Come on, come on, come on. It was 27-6, to 6, Alabama. Uh, so Alabama moves on to a championship game again. It seems like that's a broken record. Nick Saban playing for a national championship. Uh, but, you know, that's just how they are and how good and talented and deep they are. I do apologize if there's a little bit of dr- uh, pauses here. I do have the Monday Night Football game, Browns-Steelers, on right now in my fantasy championship, which nobody cares about. I have a now, I think, a 6 40, 55 point lead, something like that. But the guy I'm playing, shout out has Deontay Johnson, who already has a touchdown in this game. So a little worried, but I'll be paying attention to that. Also podcasting and getting you guys the recap you need. So just want to give you a little heads up there. Uh, so yes, Bama beat Cincinnati. They're going to the championship. The other semifinal, we had Georgia and Michigan. And what really I thought should have been a very close game, I actually liked Michigan to win. Uh, I thought I actually thought Michigan was going to win the whole thing. I thought their defense matched up well with both Georgia and Bama. Their offense was, you know, pound the rock. Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, 
Cade McNamara makes a couple throws here and there and you know, doesn't get into trouble. But was I wrong? Georgia boat raced them. Uh, they had a major get get right game and won thirty four to eleven in a game that really wasn't as close as that score makes it seem. Georgia dominated from the outset, put up over five hundred yards of offense on that vaunted Michigan D that did have Aiden Hutchinson. Um, so yeah, it sets up an all SEC championship for the third time in the past decade. We've got Georgia and Bama in a rematch of the SEC championship game, which Bama won going away. It'll be next Monday, January 10th, and right now Georgia is a slight favorite at three points. Uh, game is in Indianapolis. So we will, again, another all-SEC championship we had Georgia-Bama play a couple years ago in a, in a thriller. A couple years back, even further, we had Bama-LSU in kind of a dud championship game. So let's we'll see. You know, it's Kirby Smart, it's Nick Saban, two guys that know each other very well, two teams that know each other very well. Georgia is still sticking with that moniker of never being able to get over Bama. Can't beat older brother. Can't beat uh, that boogeyman. So we'll see if they're able to put it all together and win a championship for the first time since 1980, I believe. Or will Bama win championship number 18? Uh, So that'll be Monday. We'll come to you guys on Tuesday to give you a recap of that plus the NFL action so we don't have kind of a two-show gap between championship talk here. Um, that is it. Uh, a little note. I did say the bowl game I was looking forward to watch outside of the New Year's Six was the Alamo Bowl, and it delivered again. Oklahoma, Oregon, Oklahoma jumped out to an early lead. Oregon came back. There was over a thousand yards of offense. Seems like that always happens in the Alamo Bowl. Always exciting. Always fun to watch. Always a kind of pencil in circle. Going to be some fireworks and fun to watch. So good for them. Oklahoma did end up winning. Bob Stoops stepped in for Lincoln Riley, who d- departed. And it was actually kind of cool to see Brent Venables on the field, celebrating with the team, seeing his team that he's taking over, do well, shut out the noise, and respond with a big win. So shout out to Oklahoma. And Oregon's going to be just fine. They hired Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator, to be their head coach. And uh, I am looking much Looking very much forward to seeing them with kind of a defensive-minded guy. You know, you had Cristobal, who was an offensive line coach, kind of a smash-mouth guy, but did focus on the offense. I think the knock on Oregon teams always has been the defense. So we'll see how that pans out for them. Moving right along to the NFL, we had a stacked week with great matchups, a lot of scenarios where teams could clinch. We had at least five. We had Four teams clinched playoff spots. Five teams had opportunities to. Let's not waste any more time. We're going to get into it. I'm going to try and keep it as the games that impacted each other, close to each other, and go from there. And then at the end of the recap, we'll get into the playoff scenarios, rankings, and things to look forward to in Week 18. Uh, We'll start in Buffalo. The Bills beat the Falcons in a snow game 29-15. Despite Josh Allen looking very suspect, pedestrian throwing the ball, had a couple interceptions that were that were kind of, you know, head scratchers. He did have two rushing touchdowns to add to Devin Singletary's two rushing touchdowns. Uh, it del- eliminated the Falcons and sets the Bills up with a big game next week against the Jets. Staying in the AFC East, the Patriots boat race the Jags, putting a fifty burger on them, winning fifty to ten as Damian Harris. Ramondre Stevenson and Christian Wilkerson 
Hmm? Who? What? Uh, they each had two touchdowns. The Pats are 10-6, and six, and they have the Dolphins next week, who they lost to week one. Uh, the Titans smacked Tua and the Dolphins around 34-3 in rainy Nashville. Titans did clinch the AFC South and are sitting pretty to take the top seed and have the path to the Super Bowl go through the Music City. Uh, the Dolphins' seven-game winning streak came to an end here today, and they were eliminated from the playoffs. The Titans are sitting at 11-5, currently in the top seed in the AFC. And what was arguably the game of the year, game of the day for sure, the Bengals clinched the AFC North by beating the Chiefs 34-31 behind the LSU boys. You know, you had Jamar Chase going out there. He locked up Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. Uh, with 11 catches, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. Joey B. had 446 yards and four TDs. The Chiefs' win streak was snapped, and now their fate for the one seed is out of their hands. Uh, Bengals are sitting at 10-6, and six, and right in the three seed, feeling pretty good uh, going into the Battle of Ohio coming up next weekend to wrap up the season. I'd also like to take this moment to apologize to all the Bengals fans. Uh, that I might have offended by saying, what are you doing drafting Jamar Chase? You need offensive line help. And especially to our good friend of the pod, Jordan Aarons, who I sent numerous memes to saying, how can Jordan, how can Joe Burrows throw a ball to Jamar Chase if he has no offensive line? It's going to be hard if he's sacked and on the ground the whole time. Hand up. I was wrong. They made the right choice drafting Jamar Chase. This offense is outstanding. Their skill players are phenomenal between Chase and, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, their tight ends are serviceable, and Joe Burrow is slinging the ball all over the place. Offensive line has played amazing, very much over expectations. Defense has been very, very solid all year. Congrats to Cincinnati, AFC North champs for the first time since 2015. We'll see you in the playoffs. Uh, the Chiefs play the Broncos in mile high next week. With a little bit to play for. Uh, the Raiders came back to keep their playoff hopes alive by the thinnest of margins uh, with a 23-20 to win over the Colts. Colts are sitting in a good position right now. Uh, one game left against the lowly Jags, and the Raiders set up a big game against the Chargers next Sunday night. The Bucks faced what was a much tougher test than anybody could have expected when they went to the Meadowlands to play the Jets. Uh, and strangely enough, the Jets playing well and a last-minute Tom Brady touchdown drive with no timeouts was not the story of this game. Uh, with time remaining in the third quarter, Antonio Brown got into an argument with the coaches. Apparently, he thought he was injured. The coaches didn't think so. I'm not sure if that's the whole story. He was told to get go into the game. He refused. The coaches said, get off the field then. He took that quite literally. Took off his jersey and shoulder pads, left him on the sideline, threw his undershirt, gloves, everything into the crowd, and ran across the field while play was in session, shirtless, waving to the crowd into the locker room, caught an Uber out of there. And immediately following the game, Bruce Arians let everybody know Antonio was cut, no longer a buck. Um, I, Listen, I'm not going to get into what caused his breakdown, what caused this, what caused that. If it is you know, mental health issues or whatever A.B. is going through. Uh, you know, I'm just going to hope that he gets the help he needs. Uh, it is just a very sad situation of, you know, 
very talented player with a lot to live forward to and a lot of uh, records and money and accolades go f- coming his way, kind of going to waste. I had nothing but great things to say about AB from my time with the Steelers. He was always super great to me. You know, very nice, very approachable, very took care of us if, if needed. You know, he had everything on his hands. It's just, you know, one of those things where it kind of all went to shit. And, you know, we're hoping for the best for him going forward. Uh, I think maybe he's done playing football, which might be good for him. And, yeah, that's all I got to say on that. Again, Bucks win on the last-minute touchdown drive by Tom Brady against the Jets. Stop me if you've heard of that before. Tom Brady has won, I think, 30 of 31 of the 39 games he's played against the Jets in his career, which is just outstanding and just sad. Uh, you know, you got to feel for Jets fans who thought, oh, you know, Brady's finally gone. He comes, he comes back with a different team. You get a, an early lead. You're winning the whole game, and then he just rips your heart out again. So feel for you there, Jets fans. Uh, you've, you're going to have high draft picks this coming year. So good luck to you. The Eagles had to ride the run game and come from behind again to beat the Washington football team 20-16 to and eliminate them from the playoffs. Boston Scott had two touchdowns filling in for Miles Sanders, and the Eagles stayed alive and did receive some help later on to clinch a playoff berth. Uh, the Rams survived what was really an ugly, ugly, weird game in Baltimore. Stafford didn't look like himself. The run game was solid. The defense was okay. Just It was a very strange game. Rams ended up winning 20-19 to on a last-minute touchdown pass to Odell Beckham. Uh, Ravens, again, were without Lamar Jackson, still healing from that ankle injury Tyler Huntley was in again. And he's been solid as he, when he got gets in there. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel like if you're worried about Lamar being injury-prone, things like that, you've got a good backup in place with Tyler. Uh, it's just kind of a little bit alarming with Lamar missing so many games this year and so many close games the Ravens have lost. And now they're in a very precarious spot with the play, in regards to the playoffs. Kind of sitting, dropping all the way down to the 11th seed. Again, only the top seven teams make it. And the Ravens need a lot of help in both tonight's game between the Steelers and Browns and next week to have a chance to get in the playoffs. Um, Trey Lance got his second start of his NFL career and led the 49ers to a win over the Texans 23-7. to Jimmy Garoppolo suffered a thumb injury. It seems like it's a UCL tear of his thumb. Uh, they don't believe he's going to miss the rest of the season. Missed this week. Might miss next week. Possibly back for the playoffs. So we'll see. Kyle Shanahan did say once Jimmy is 100% and can do everything that is required of him in that offense, he will be the starter. Uh, but Trey Lance did show some improvements. Seemed to kind of settle into the game, settle into the offense as this game went on. But I'm still, if I'm a Niners fan... And, you know, I am. I still root for my guys that are in the organization. Shout out, you know, uh, Rob Rob Lloyd, Alan Luna, Jeff Gilbert, Doc Dressler, all those guys that I still got out there. Um, I'm still hoping Jimmy G can recover and come back and lead this team in the playoffs because it, as much as Trey Lance shows, showed some flashes on Sunday, it was the Texans. There was that game earlier against the Cardinals where he didn't look great. He is still a rookie. He is still learning. I feel... I think 
you're in much better hands in the playoffs with Jimmy G than Trey Lance. But again, you know, we've seen this where young quarterbacks come in, take the starting job late in the season, and then go on runs. We saw it with the 49ers quite literally a couple of years ago, or a few years ago with Cap taking over and leading them to a Super Bowl appearance. So who knows? We'll see. Lamar did it with the Ravens a couple of years ago. Uh, I mean, they had a first, they lost in the first round, but still, uh, we'll see. Uh, Niners are nine and seven, and in a good spot, looking at the sixth seed as they have the Rams next week. The Bears beat the Giants twenty-nine to three in a meaningless game. Uh, speaking of meaningless games, we had the Seahawks beat the Lions, behind three touchdowns from DK fifty-one twenty-nine. Uh, might be Russ's last home game in Seattle. Who knows? Um, let's keep on moving here. The Chargers beat the Broncos 34-13 by another strong showing from Justin Herbert. Chargers are 9-7, and again, I said they had a big one, big game against the Raiders coming up on Sunday. That is a win and end game for both of those teams. Whoever wins that game is in the playoffs. Whoever loses is out. Uh, that game is in Vegas, and I cannot wait for it. The Saints beat the Panthers 18-10. Uh, to stay alive and away in a prayer, needing a lot of help next week to get into the playoffs, while the Panthers seem very hapless on both sides of the ball. And that 3-0 start that they had seems like it was years ago. Kyler Murray continued his ownership duties of AT&T Stadium by beating the Cowboys 25-22 and moving to 9-0 and in that building from high school to college to the NFL. It's truly an amazing stat. He... Uh, Really had a great bounce back game, and so did the Cardinals as a whole because they were on a three game losing streak, and everybody was talking about what's wrong with the Cardinals, what's wrong with the Cardinals, are they frauds, are they soft, what's going on? Came into Dallas against a very good Dallas team. Granted, they haven't been looking as great yet, but this is a team that you'll probably see in the playoffs down the road. Uh, Kyler had 300 yards of offense and looked in complete control of everything. Cliff Kingsbury called a great game, getting the run game involved with Chase Edmonds and Kyler, getting the ball spread around. Again, they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins still. Antoine Wesley had two touchdown catches. A.J. Green showed flashes of old A.J. Green, and Zachers is still Zach Ertz. Uh, And then the defense played out of their minds as well. Uh, The Cardinals had a playoff spot locked in going into this game. Cowboys already wrapped up the NFC East and are sitting right now in the four seed. And, I mean, listen, Cowboys put up a 50-burger against the Washington football team on a short week with a lot of replacement players in there for Washington. They still don't look that right. And it's got to be somewhat concerning if you're a Cowboys fan because you're not going to play teams like the third stringers of the Washington football team in the playoffs. You're going to play teams like the Cardinals. You're going to play teams like the Buccaneers, you're going to play teams like uh, the Rams in the playoffs. And when it comes down to it, the Cowboys just haven't looked as great going up against those teams with great records and strong rosters this year. Uh, Zeke didn't look good. Dak looked okay. But losing Michael Gallup to a torn ACL in this game hurts. If they can't get the ball outside to CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper or set up the run, they're going to have some problems. And that offensive line is not the same offensive line from years past where we used to say, oh, you know, they have the best offensive line in the league. They just don't anymore. So it's going to be interesting to see how they progress into the playoffs. I think their matchup is going to be what drives their chances. But if I'm the Cowboys fan, I'm a little worried. 
And as an Eagles fan, I so love to see it. Uh, the Packers beat the Vikings and stop me if you've heard this before again. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams went off again. Uh, you know, Packers locked up the one seed. Rodgers had 288 yards passing. Devontae had 11 catches, 136 yards in the TD. Vikings are officially eliminated from playoff contention. That is your roundup of the Week 18 games. Again, we've got Monday Night Football going on right now between the Steelers and Browns. Browns were eliminated. Steelers are looking on the outside looking in right now. Still alive with the playoffs. Need a lot of help. Uh, they're currently up 10 nothing as it stands going into halftime. Uh, should be Ben's last home game as a Steeler in Heinz Field. So shout out to Ben, one of the one of the game's greats. You know, me and him didn't have a great relationship when I was in Pittsburgh, but doesn't take away from the fact that he's one of the great quarterbacks of all time. Surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, shout out seven. Good for you. Happy for you. Can't wait to see what you do post football. Uh, so now let's get into kind of the, the playoff picture, what's breaking down, where everything is, and everything like that. Let me take a sip here. Catch my breath. And we're off. We'll start with the AFC. Uh, we'll start with the teams that clinched. Uh, Patriots, Bengals, Bills, and Eagles clinched playoff berths. The Titans and Bengals clinched their divisions. So AFC North and AFC South collectively are wrapped up. AFC West is already the Chiefs. AFC East will be decided this week. So let's get into it. As it currently stands, Titans are the number one seed in AFC and have the inside track to it via their head-to-head win over the Chiefs. They win against the Jaguar. Uh, they win against the Texans, and they have the one seed. The Chiefs will need a win over the Broncos and a Titans loss to take over that one seed. But looking at the teams they're playing, that doesn't seem likely. Uh, the Bengals are right now in the three seed. Seems pretty secure that they'll stay in that spot. Uh, the Bills and Patriots are the four and five seed, respectively. Bills have the Jets. Patriots have the Dolphins. The Bills win, and they have the division. Patriots win, and the Bills lose. Patriots win the division. Bills get the wild card. For the Bills, it's very simple. Win, and you get the division and the home game. Patriots win, get a little bit of help. You get the division. The wild card is the, like I said, the Raiders and Chargers have a win in the end game on Sunday night. The Colts need a win against the Jags to be in. The Ravens, still alive, need the need to beat the Steelers in Week 18 and need the Colts to lose to the Jaguars. Uh, by the time you're listening to this tomorrow, the Steelers could be eliminated, depending upon how the score changes. Again, right now, 10-0. If the Browns win, the Steelers are out. Uh, if the Steelers win, they need to beat the Ravens, and then they need the Jags to beat the Colts, and I think one other thing to break their way to get in. Uh, and that is about it for the AFC. For the NFC, the Packers wrapped up the one seed and the road to the Super Bowl goes through Lambeau. The Rams can wrap up the NFC West and the two seed with a win over the 49ers. The Rams can also clinch the NFC West with a Cardinals loss. The Cardinals can win the division with a win over the Seahawks and a 49ers win over the Rams. The so that right there is the Cardinals can either be the two seed or the five seed, same with the Rams. Winner 
takes the division and the two seed loser, the five seed and the playoffs. Um, Tampa is essentially locked into that three seed by virtue of their head to head win over the Cowboys and their loss to the Rams. If the Cardinals end up winning the AFC NFC West, Tampa might be able to move up to that two seed. I'm not sure how that tiebreaker works between the Cardinals and the Bucks. I'd have to look a little bit deeper into it, but it seems like the Bucks are pretty secure in that three seed. The Cowboys are essentially that four seed, as I said, with that loss to the Bucks. Uh, they will likely have a rematch with the Cardinals on their hands in the wild card round if everything plays out how it stands right now. Uh, the wild card scenario is very clear cut for the NFC. Cardinals are the five seed with a win and a Rams win. Niners are the sixth sixth seed with a win or a Saints loss. Saints are the seventh seed with a win and a Niners loss. Eagles are in no matter what. Seven seed with a Niners win. Six seed if the Saints are in. And uh, again, you really just have to. Uh, does that make sense to everybody? Everybody got it? Any questions? No? Okay, cool. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a little bit of a shout out to my hometown team, the Eagles here, starting two and five and then working their way all the way to nine and seven in the playoffs in a team with a with. Currently, their highest-paid player is Carson Wentz playing for the Indianapolis Colts. This team was supposed to be a joke this year. Four games, five games at most with wins. Sirianni was kind of a laughingstock for a while. He wouldn't run the ball. His post-game press conferences were cliche-filled. The T-shirts he wore warming up, the Iverson jerseys, things like that, everybody was just piling on. And he did what a lot of coaches don't do. He adapted to his team. He Followed KYP, know your personnel. Decided we've got the best offensive line in the league. Three very capable running backs. And a quarterback who's best suited to run the ball and throw when absolutely necessary. When it's very easy reads set up by the run game. And rode that all the way to the playoffs. It's it's outstanding. The Eagles are a playoff team with three first round picks next year. Their highest paid player playing for the Colts and a coach that everybody thought was a joke, a quarterback that nobody believed in. Hand up, me as well. Jalen Hurts is a very serviceable quarterback. I'm very happy with how he's played, and I'm looking forward to how he plays the rest of the year. Not sure if he's the guy yet. He still needs to show a couple more improvements in reading defenses, the progression from reads one, two, and three, instead of just you know one read, jump out of the pocket, throw the ball downfield, throw the ball out of bounds, take off and run. Uh, but again, love Jalen Hurts as a guy. I think he could be very successful. I just need to see a few more things from me for him to be the franchise quarterback going forward. Eagles are in the playoffs. If if you would have told me five months ago that the Eagles were going to make the playoffs, I would have called you crazy. Actually, I wouldn't have because I I was one of the stupid ones that was like, the NFC East is so crazy and so wide open. The Eagles could fuck around and surprise some people. Uh, didn't put any money on it. But Eagles are in the playoffs, and you know it's you know once you're in that, not, who cares how you got there? Just play the games and see what can happen. See how the chips fall. So that is your NFL talk, college talk. We will it should be an exciting first ever Week 18 in the NFL. Again, we've got the 17 game season this year, so next week is Week 18, all divisional games, a couple of big games with playoff implications. 
Can't wait to get into it next Tuesday, as well as the CFP Championship game from next Monday, January 10th, between Bama and Georgia. Going to be a football-filled episode on Tuesday. Cannot wait. Let me get a little drink here before we get into our quick movie talk and movie recap. Um, quick note, Spider-Man No Way Home has crossed one billion at the global box office. Uh, if you have seen it and you haven't listened to our recap pod, stop listening right now. Go listen to it. It's the episode we dropped last week with uh, movie expert Spencer Snyderman. Uh, we get into everything. It's an hour and a half long of me and him talking about this movie, all of the Easter eggs, everything we noticed, everything we loved, everything we didn't like, everything Spider-Man No Way Home in an hour and a half right there for you to listen to. Uh, I had a couple people text me that, you know, they were listening to it and they were talking back with it and being like, oh, yeah, like I didn't realize this. So if you have listened, thank you. If you haven't listened, please listen and share your thoughts. Maybe I missed a couple of Easter eggs. Maybe I was way off on a couple of things. Maybe Spence had some things that he said that you didn't uh, pick up on. And also Spence gives some super cool inside uh, inside the NFL talks about going to the premiere. So if you want to hear about kind of just a regular guy going to a Hollywood premiere and schmoozing with all the A-list celebrities, listen to the episode. It's awesome. Uh, so since we last talked, I, had, I was able to catch up on a few things I said I was going to watch between Hawkeye, Tick, Tick, Boom, The Harder They Fall, and Don't Look Up. So I'm going to talk about those things very quickly here. Hawkeye was a very um, I thought Hawkeye was amazing. Uh, really sets up some awesome things going forward in the MCU. A couple of new characters, new twists, and new universes that we can explore here. Uh, starting with Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. She was perfectly cast. Amazing in the role. So charismatic and so just awesome and funny and lighthearted. And a great kind of person to pass the torch on for Hawkeye going forward. I don't think Jeremy Renner's done by any means as Hawkeye. But I do like the potential for that kind of Hawkeye duo going forward in the MCU for a couple more projects. Uh, Jack Duquesne as Swordsman is going to be awesome going forward. And Maya Hawk, is it Maya Hawk? Maya Lopez, uh, Echo, is going to be awesome in her upcoming Disney Plus show. Uh, Can really kind of dive into the underworld side of New York and the MCU and things like that. And then, I mean, Spoiler alert in three, two, one. Kingpin. Kingpin from the Daredevil Netflix show is in the MCU. It is the same Kingpin as we saw in Daredevil, Punisher, everything like that. So completely merges the two universes there. And I'm so excited that they brought Vincent D'Onofrio back as Kingpin. Looking forward to him staying in the MCU. Looking forward to him in the Echo series. And hopefully crossing paths with daredevil and spider-man in the future uh so awesome 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 loved it can't wait for a season maybe a season two can't wait for echo and can't wait to see where these characters turn up next uh next up we'll talk about tick tick boom starring andrew garfield it's the true story of composer and broadway writer jonathan larson as he leads up to writing the self-titled um 
musical Tick, Tick, Boom before he writes Rent. So it gets into his life and what kind of shaped him as a composer, as a writer, and everything like that. And this, by far, is the best movie I've seen all year. Andrew Garfield should win Best Actor for his portrayal as Jonathan. He was amazing, so fully committed to the role and the personification of Jonathan. Honored him perfectly. He was so musically talented for a guy that did not know how to sing when he was cast in this role. Took voice lessons for a year to get ready for this. Uh, you know, the music in the show, in the movie, was amazing. It felt so familiar but different. If you're a fan of Rent, you'll know what I'm talking about when you listen to this. You know, like you hear the couple notes and you hear the first couple lines, and you're like, oh, like, yeah, I know this song. And then it flips it on its head and it's a completely different song. And it was amazing. It was an awesome look into the life of the person that wrote Rent because you can see a lot of the parallels and where he drew inspiration for in his true life into Rent. Uh, and I mean, if you love Broadway, musicals, great movies, and especially Rent, please check this out. It was phenomenal. 95 out of 100 for me. Best movie I've seen of the year. Not my favorite movie. That's Spider-Man No Way Home. This is very closely behind as my favorite movie, but the best movie I've seen all year. Andrew Garfield for Best Actor. 95 out of 100. Tick, tick, boom. Uh, next up, I saw The Heart of They Fall. Oh, Tick, tick, boom on Netflix. Heart of They Fall also on Netflix. This was a great depiction of you know a fictitious account of real people so this it says right at the start you know this these are real people but this is not a true story and it kind of goes into the story and the history of african-american cowboys in the old west um outside of you know maybe django unchained you don't really see a lot of stories with you know african-americans in that kind of old west cowboy setting and this was amazing. Great story, great writing, great casting. The music was phenomenal. Not surprisingly, it was head up, headed up by Jay-Z, Sean Carter. The set pieces were beautiful. It felt like you were right there in Old West, in these old saloons, these old towns. It felt kind of campy, but it worked with what they were telling. Um, and then, I mean... It just if if you haven't been paying attention, Jonathan Majors is about to burst onto the scene in a huge way between his portrayal here. Uh, he was phenomenal. Lovecraft Country, he was amazing. Uh, he who he who remains in Loki was awesome. He's going to be the villain in Creed three. He is the he is Kane the Conqueror in Marvel. Amazing in Last Black Man in San Francisco. This guy is poised for a pop. He's only twenty eight years old. So this man is going to stay for a while and be one of the best actors out there. Uh, Idris Elba and Regina King were amazing as they always are, always are. And it's really time that we start giving Lakeith Stanfield some respect as one of the best actors out there and one of the most consistent because whatever he's in, he brings it. Whether it's uh, Sorry to Bother You, Get Out, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, this, he's phenomenal and, and very enthralling and commands the respect, even when he is sharing the scene with an Idris Elba, Jonathan Majors, or in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Daniel Kaluuya. He's phenomenal. Love watching him. We'll see him in anything he's in. And then I also thought Delroy Lindo and RJ Kyler were perfectly cast and phenomenal in their roles themselves. Even though they were a little bit smaller, they were perfect and helped bring the story along great uh that was 92 out of 100 for me 
Don't Look Up, also on Netflix. This is the Adam K. Uh, Leo movie. It's a very well, well, what very well written movie, which shouldn't be a surprise from Adam McKay. Uh, Jonah Hill was hilarious in his supporting role. Very limited scenes, but when he was on the scene, he commanded it. He was hilarious and believable. Uh, Leo is just so goddamn amazing with how he can go from very serious dramatic roles to uh, character pieces to the comedic roles and the same with jennifer lawrence these two are absolute chameleons and can fit into any role movie character out there they were phenomenal in this movie playing off of each other uh it's always great to see leo kind of fall into that comedic role that he's in because while he is one of the greatest dramatic actors of our time he's also one of the greatest comedic dramatic actors of our time whether it's him in Catch Me If You Can, Wolf of Wall Street, Don't Look Up. He was also kind of funny in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he's given kind of that freedom to be a little bit funny but also pull in on those dramatic uh, scenes and parts. He's amazing. Uh, you know, it's got some very great self-aware moments. A lot of people are viewing this online as like a political hit piece against one party or the other. It very well may be. I don't give a shit about any of that. Go into this movie watching it, looking for a great movie with great writing, great performances, and great comedy, and you will very much enjoy it. It's a 90 out of 100 for me. Uh, one of the better movies of the year so far. I also saw West Side Story a couple of weeks back. I'm not sure if I talked about this on the pod. That, prior to Tick, Tick, Boom, was the best movie I saw this year. That was also a 95 out of 100. They... Changed some things up with the pacing of the songs and who had the leads and things like that. But it was it, it all worked. Steven Spielberg deserves a lot of credit for taking a what I believe is a perfect movie from 1965, remaking it, keeping the essence and soul, keeping it in the time period that it should be, keeping the characters the same, the story the same, the pacing the same making the set pieces even bigger and more beautiful because of the time period, uh, keeping the music on point and rolling, and the performance is great. Rachel Zegler was phenomenal as Maria. I thought Riff and Bernardo, Mike, Fe Mike Feist as Riff, and uh, Daniel Alvarez as Bernardo, I believe, were terrific. I thought they didn't get enough screen time or character development as they did in the original, and that might be me just looking too much into it. I didn't think Ansel Elgort was too much to ride home about with Tony. He's kind of where I took most of the points off. Uh, the new rendition of America was phenomenal. Um, Anita DeBose and should be Best Supporting Actress. The switching of Doc to be Doc's widow and placing it as Rita Moreno was, I thought it worked well. I was kind of worried about it going in. Her taking the song somewhere was interesting. I know they only gave her a song because it is Rita Moreno, but you know it works. I wouldn't be surprised if the Academy does the kind of the typical Academy thing and give her Best Supporting Actress uh, again for this one when she won Best Supporting for the original back in '65. Something the Academy likes to do. Again, great music, great set pieces, great story, great performances, great. Bravo to Spielberg, first musical, and you know, kind of gets you worried because he's. Had a questionable track record in the past couple of years, so um, 
Awesome movie. Go see it. 95 out of 100. Second best movie of the year for me. Uh, and you know, that's, that's all I got. I'm currently at home with COVID right now. So I'll probably knock some more movies out this week. Uh, next week, like I said, Tuesday show, we'll recap the CFP championship week 18 action. Look ahead to the NFL playoffs predictions. Who's going to the Super Bowl? Who's going to win? I'll also give you some thoughts on a couple of movies, namely power of dog on Netflix, lost daughter on Netflix, and then maybe a combination of Pig on Hulu with Nicolas Cage, The Last Duel, the Matt Damon, Adam Driver film, and Swan Song. Oh, uh, I don't know if I got into this here. Did I? I did. Okay, House of Gucci. Still trash. Um, That's it. That's all I got for you guys. Happy New Year again. Everyone stay well. Stay safe. We will catch you guys next week. Enjoy your week, and we will see you later. Cheers, everybody.